Father, uh, tonight as we get into your word, we do pray that you would, Lord, that you would bless this time. God, open up our hearts to receive from you, and thank you so much for getting us here, just getting us into this facility and here where we can uh, hear your word. And, and Lord, I do pray that as we read, as we study, as we dig in, that once again, it wouldn't just be a religious exercise or a ritual that we do or even a, just an intellectual exercise, but God, I pray that you would move mightily in our midst and that you would have your way and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, as uh, we go now and finish up this first chapter of Peter, last time when we looked at it, he started out and he's talking about the work of Jesus in our lives and how he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. And then for us to make sure of our election, make sure of our salvation. And now he changes and he shifts into the word and the work of the word in our lives and, and how the word can change us and how the word can solidify us. So Peter, when you think about Peter, listen, it's amazing to me to think about this guy who had so many failures, but he also had so many highs, right? And he had so many good things. And you know, I found in life, hey, if you're not out trying things, you know, you're gonna miss a lot. Yeah, you're gonna fail some, some are gonna be miserable, but the misery is worth the greatness when you find that right thing. So Peter working and, and loving the Lord, and now we're at the end of Peter's life, and Peter wants to make sure that people stay close to Jesus. And so again, he talks about the work, what he's done, talks about us getting into heaven, and then in verse 12 he says, for this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. So he's saying, listen, you guys know the truth, but I don't mind repeating things to you. I don't mind going over it again. And you know, something I found in my own walk with the Lord, and then even in sharing, you have to repeat things. You have to say things over, and it's a way that we can retain them and remember them. Somebody said that after 90 minutes after we listen to somebody, we forget 90% of what was said. And I kind of believe that, you know, I kind of, you know, and especially in our day and age where there's so much information that, that we can get, right, and, and a lot of us are, you know, YouTubing and, and doing different things and watching different things and hearing different people, and, and if you're like me, you're kind of going 100 miles an hour, and you get done and you go, huh, what did I just listen to? Or what did they just say, right? So, and, and it happens here. You're sitting in church and all of a sudden your mind starts wandering and we get to the end and you go, oh. So you repeat things and you go over things. And isn't it even interesting when we, when we not just reading the gospels, obviously they're repeated, but when you're reading through the letters, how the same things seem to come up and seem to be talked about because there are things that need to get solidified in our heart. And so Peter, listen, Peter's saying, man, I don't care. I'm gonna give you the truth and I'm gonna give it to you over and over and over and over. And I love what he's saying here. I'm not gonna be negligent. Remember, Peter was commissioned by Jesus to share, right? 
We, we talked about last time in, in Peter and in, in John chapter 21 and how the Lord commissioned him. And, and, and so we, we have that whole idea that, that that, but do you also remember that when the Lord told Peter he was gonna deny him, he said, Satan has asked to sift you what like wheat, but do you remember what Jesus told him? And, and I'm paraphrasing, he says, it's okay, Peter, why? Because I'm gonna restore you and when I bring you back, Take care of your brothers. And Peter, listen, man, that's gotta be burning in his heart now, right? I wanna take care of, and I wanna make sure this happens. So he says, man, I'm not afraid to give you this truth and to repeat this truth. And some of us, listen, some of us need that. Some of us need to, to experience something and get involved with it. So he says, man, I want you to be established in the present truth. And then he says, yes, I think it's right as long as I'm in this tent to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as the Lord Jesus Christ showed me. So once again, we're listening to, to Peter, and Peter's talking about the whole idea that our body is a temporary housing. I believe most of us, like, we're kind of, you know, this is all we know, right? We're not, we haven't, we haven't, gone to be with the Lord yet so we don't know we, we have promises and we're sure of that but we're, we're kind of not knowing what that's going to be and he says listen this is just temporary now I don't know about you guys but I, I'm kind of thinking it's more permanent than he's talking about right I mean we, we want to take care of it we want to last a while we don't want you know we don't want to like just you know I've had tents before and I don't treat tents very well and I want to take care of this, right? So as he says that, and it's just a temporary, it's just a temporary housing, it's kind of hard to think of it that way if we're honest, but we need to. We need to understand this is not all there is. This is just a temporary place until we get to heaven and we go in his presence. That's forever. That's where we're gonna dwell forever and ever. And, and man, we get that in our head and in our hearts, and it's easier to deal with the things here. Hey, life gets hard, doesn't it? And it gets difficult. And we have to deal with things and, and go through heartbreaks and go through certain things. But he says, man, Peter says, listen, here's what I know. He says, I'm gonna do this as long as I'm in this tent and then I, I love it, listen, I'm in this tent and I'm gonna stir you up, what? By reminding you, and he says, I know I'm gonna put my tent off. I know that I don't have much longer. Peter's pretty sure that the end is near. Now once again, remember who's in charge of the world, Nero. Lots of persecution going on, lots of things going on, so he knows, hey, I don't have long. And then I love what he says. He says, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. He seemed to kind of, I remember the walk on the beach. And Jesus said, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Then tend my sheep, right? And that whole commissioning. But then he says, you know, and, and I'm gonna paraphrase this. He says, when you get a little older, Peter, they're gonna kill you. And Peter says, hey, Jesus showed me this. Jesus let me know, so he's sure that that's coming. He's understanding that. And then he says in verse 15, moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. I know I'm gonna die, Peter says, but I'm gonna make sure you have a reminder. How is he gonna do that? By writing a letter, 
right? We have the word of God, and he's gonna get into that and why we can trust it, but listen, I'm gonna give you this reminder. I'm gonna make sure it's there for you because Peter cared about the people, and then he knows, listen, I'm, I'm leaving, and I'm gonna do this, so I wanna make sure that you have that reminder, and once again, so this is the third time he's brought up uh, repetition and reminding and so we need to know that's an important thing, listen, in our hearts. Why do we here constantly encourage people to read through the Bible every year? Because we need that reminder. We need to go through it. We need to stay, you know, in his word and allow him to minister to us. And he says, so I'm gonna be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. And then he says this, for we did not follow cunningly uh, deceived, or I'm sorry, cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power uh, and, and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So Peter, number one, says, listen, what I've given you isn't some kind of made-up thing, isn't kind of something that we've figured out, and have you ever heard this, that the Bible was written to keep us in line and uh, you know, that those who don't believe it and it's, it's written and it's made up fables and Peter says, hey, we didn't do that. And he's used to that in his generation. He's used to, hey, the Greeks had a bunch of fables and he says, that's not what we gave you. We gave you fact. And I'd love to think about that. Listen, we gave you fact and Peter here, I believe in verse 16, he's talking about the second coming. He says, we didn't follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's written in a way, he wasn't talking about the first coming, he's talking about the second coming. And I let you know about that, and later on we're gonna read, hey, people picked on Peter, people picked on the apostles, like right now, people kind of make fun of us when we talk about Jesus coming back, right? Could you imagine being those guys? Like in the first century, you're the, you're the first ones kind of bringing up that fact. Man, I think, listen, I think they got harassed big time. And he says, listen, but we weren't, it wasn't fables, and I'm sure they were accused of that. It wasn't made up stuff, but we were eyewitnesses. Now he's gonna tell us in a moment how he saw that. But we were eyewitnesses, listen, of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and I love how he puts it, and, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. I believe the Bible is factual. I believe the Bible's true. We're gonna talk about that some more. I'm never, I'm never ashamed of the Bible, and I'm never afraid that someday somebody's gonna find something to discredit the Bible. It's kind of lasted a while, right? Yeah, it's done okay, and every time there's some major archeological find, it always substantiates the Bible, never, never does it take away from the Bible. Amen. Never has it ever proved it false, it always substantiates and proves it true. So we need to know that, and we need to understand that, and so that's what Peter's saying. It wasn't, listen, wasn't made up stuff. It was fact that we gave you. We were eyewitnesses. We saw it. And I think, listen, I think he's like super excited about this as he's thinking about it. So now he's reflecting back and he says in verse 17, 
For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellence of glory, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven then we were with him, or when we were with him on the holy mountain. So obviously now we know what Peter's talking about, right? He's talking about that transfiguration. He's talking about that time they went up on the mountain. And I don't know about you guys, but you read about that and you think about that. And, and if you remember, right before they went up on the mountain, Jesus told them, some of you will not die until you see the kingdom. And people get confused about that. But what happened right after Jesus said that? He took them up on the mountain. What did they see? They got a preview of the kingdom coming, right? And you're up. Can you, can you just imagine Listen, it's one thing for Jesus to go through that, but can you imagine if you're Peter, James, and John, and you're hanging out, and you're the guys that kind of, listen, they were like the, I think they were like the three troublemakers. Like they always say, listen, they always say like these guys were the closest to Jesus and they did things. I think Jesus kept them close because they were so much of a pain. He says, if I don't keep you close, I don't know what you're gonna do, right? And listen, we usually pick on Peter, but remember James and John? Remember when they were with Jesus and they were in Samaria and they got up tight and they go, hey, Jesus, should we call down fire and toast these people? And Jesus goes, what is the matter with you guys? Like, haven't you been hanging out with me? Haven't you listened to anything I said? Maybe I need to repeat it over and over and over again, right? You guys, and, and, then, and then they come to Jesus and they go, can one of us sit on your right hand and one on your left? Because we're awesome. And we want to be awesome with you. And Jesus goes, you guys are driving me nuts. And then we have Peter and all of Peter's blunders, right? So isn't it any wonder that those were the three that were always closest to him? He had to, I don't know. I, I, you know, in our house, we raised one child. I'm sure if you raise multiple children, there's certain ones you keep close. You know, because you just know they're going to do something. They're going to get in trouble. Now, no offense. If your parents are keeping you close, don't get mad at them. <laughs> but here, listen, can you imagine being on that mountain? Like you just go up on a mountain and you think you're just, you think you're just like getting away for a little bit and all of a sudden a cloud comes down and engulfs that mountain and then this guy that you've hung out with for three and a half, well, maybe not by then three and a half years, but you've been hanging with him for a while. All of a sudden, his entire appearance changes. Listen, it's not just, listen, it's not just that he glowed. His whole appearance changed. It's like from the inside out, he changed. And then you hear that, it had to be a booming voice, right? I don't think it was like, hi, this is my son. I think it had to be a booming voice out of heaven. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Some people say, how do you know Peter's not talking about the baptism? Because he said we were up on the holy mountain, right? The baptism didn't take place up on a mountain. This is that time, and God, listen, God, even after the baptism, God is still confirming this is my son, and this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And I can imagine hearing all of that, experiencing all of that. And then, who shows up? Moses and Elijah, right? 
Woo, yes. Now, I always got to think, did they have little lanyards on and name tags? I, I know that obviously it was revealed to them who they were, but don't you, don't you kind of, don't you kind of wonder, like, how do you know it was Moses and Elijah? And most of us understand, listen, that's representing the law and the prophets, and Jesus came to fulfill all of that. And I would challenge you as you're reading through the Old Testament uh, this year, start writing down just some of the prophecies, and I think a lot of us know it's incredible. Listen, for Jesus to, just to fulfill a small portion of them is, is like, you know, such a, such a uh, the odds are so, so against that that it's amazing, much less all of them. And he's fulfilled them. Listen, so Jesus has fulfilled all that. So here's what Peter's saying. I'm not making this stuff up. This isn't something I'm just writing to, to, to fill up paper. I experienced this. I was there. I saw it with my own eyes. And James and John are there not refuting, right? So we need to think about when people pick on our Bible, we need to, I think we need to be a little bit more aggressive about defending it and not ever be ashamed and not ever shrink back. And, and you know I, know, I know people come, people will come to me sometimes, and it, ha- it hasn't been for a while, but sometimes they'll come to me and go, you know, I don't believe the Bible because it's full of contradictions. Here's what I tell them. Tell me one. Right now, just tell me one. Well, you know. No, I don't know. So tell me one. Well, but, and I go, you're just saying something somebody told you to say. You don't even know. I, and then I challenge them. Have you ever read the Bible? Well, not really, because it's full of contradictions. Well, yeah, why would you read it if it's full of contradictions? But can you give me one? No, I still can't give you one. And then they'll start arguing with me, and here's what I tell them, and this is me. I said, listen, I have been studying the Bible now for over 31 years. Studying it, not just reading it, studying it. So you want to have this discussion with me? Because you haven't even read it. So let's, you know, if you want to throw down, let's go. I trust the Bible because it's true. Because it has never, listen, it's never been proven false. And here's the great thing, it doesn't let me down. Hey, if I trust in a fable, all of a sudden, have you noticed fables change? The Bible doesn't. It's the same every time, every time. Every year as I'm reading through it, it's the same stuff. And that's, you know, to me, that's amazing. To me, that's good. So here's what he's saying, man. I'm giving you stuff that I saw. I was on the mountain, and on the mountain was the revelation of Jesus and his kingdom that I just brought up in the previous verse. He doesn't say it that way, right? But I just brought up, listen, I just brought up the fact that he is coming in his glory and in his majesty. And I was an eyewitness, and now we know what he's talking about. How was he an eyewitness? He was on the mountain. He says, I saw that. So it's not made up stuff. It's not wishful thinking. It's reality, and it's true, and it's what's going on. And then, verse 19, and so we have the prophetic word confirmed, or some of your translations might say, we also have a more sure prophetic word, and you can do it either way, which you do well to heed as light that shines in the dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. So here's what he's letting us know. We need to not just read the word 
and just say we believe the word, but we need to do the word. We need to heed it. We need to go for it. Somebody put it this way, and I think this is a good thing. They used honey. I'm gonna use a big old honkin' ribeye steak. I like that better than honey. So you know what? You can talk about you can talk about and you can go, man, look how good that is. And man, it's gotta be delicious, right? When it's grilled just right and juices are coming off of it, it's kind of bubbling a little bit. Did you guys have dinner yet? Yeah, I didn't have dinner either, so. But man, you just, and you can look at that and you can say it's good, but how are you gonna know it's good? There's only one way to know it's good. You gotta taste it. You gotta cut it and you gotta shove it in your face. And you gotta eat it, right? So no matter what it is, what's your favorite thing you just pick? And, and here's what he's saying. We need to do the same thing with the word of God. Are, are, you, are you tracking with that? We can't just say we believe it. We just can't have, you know, listen, we have our, 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 our creed that we believe or, or whatever we're saying. We gotta, we gotta taste it. We gotta get involved with it. We gotta let it, listen, we gotta let it resonate in our heart and spend some time. I think that's what he means by heed. Listen, and, and, and expounding on that. And that's what he's talking about. And then he says, listen, man, as we do that, a light is going to shine brightly. Here's what I know in my life. When I get involved in the world and look at the things in the world and what's going on around in the world, it gets pretty dim. It gets pretty grim. When I get into Word and start reading the Word, I go, oh, man. Pretty soon there's a little light. Then I read a little bit more, and there's more light. And then I read a little bit more, and there's more light. Do you hear what he's saying? And there's light in our life, and we begin to understand things. We begin to understand, hey, why do I even exist? Why am I here? I'm here to glorify God. That's why I'm here. He didn't just put us all here to just walk. We're here to glorify him. And you begin to have that, that purpose in your life. Isn't it great to wake up in the morning knowing that you belong to Jesus and that you have purpose, you have a reason for living, you have a reason for going forward? And he says, listen, man, that's the light. So as we heed his word, listen, as we heed that word, of pro that prophetic word, and, and, and as we heed it, that light shines in a dark place until the day dawns. And then when the day dawns, listen, there's a morning star rises in your hearts. You listen, here's what he's saying. There's this greater light that comes. And it's that morning star. It's interesting, Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 22 talk about Jesus being the morning star. But that word here and in Revelation means light bearer, right? Jesus is the one who brings the light. And as we understand his word, as we begin to believe the prophetic word and all that's spoken of, and I think we all know this if you've been around very long, from Genesis to Revelation is a revelation of God, but it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. And it's to bring him into our hearts. And then when you have Jesus, man, you got everything. You have it all. And he says, listen then, so that's that morning star. So when the day dawns, we have a brighter day, right? So he lays that out. Now Now it gets a little bit better. And he says, so the day dawns, the morning star rises in your heart. Knowing this first, 
So here's what we need to know. And again, I was going to say Paul. Peter's all about knowing, right? He told us in the, in the first 11 verses, he used know over and over and over. Now do you notice he's not changing from that? Hey, we know that we've been given all we need for life and godliness. We know that we have a relationship. We know that Jesus died for our sins. Now he's going a little bit further, and here's what he's saying. You and I, knowing first, what do we know first? That no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation or private origin. I think, I think the, the translation, and almost every translation does it, I think the translation of that word to interpretation can kind of lead us astray because here's what we think. We think about us interpreting the Bible, right? I mean, that's kind of the first thing I go to when I hear that no prophecy is of any private interpretation. In my mind, here's what I think. I think you can't just come to some, you know, uh, arbitrary conclusion, this is what it means. It's not that kind of interpretation. You have to dig in. Now here, I do understand that's true. You can't just read the Bible and tell me, well, here's what I think it means. You gotta study it. You gotta do the inductive study. You gotta pull it apart, put it back together to truly understand it. So I, I get that, but I don't think that's what he's talking about. I think he's letting us know this thing right here, this was not done by some private group or individuals that want to control your life, right? That want to bring you under some kind of dominion that they have control of. He says, listen, man, that's not where it came from. Now he's gonna explain where it is. So listen, I wrote down, so there's four different uh, you know, opinions of this verse. One is scripture should be interpreted only in context, talking about interpreting it. And then another one is scripture should not be interpreted according to one's own individual liking. Uh, number three, scripture cannot be correctly interpreted without the Holy Spirit. I mean, all those things are true. But I think number four is what he's talking about. Prophecies did not originate with the prophets themselves. It's not like, listen, when, and obviously Peter's referring to Old Testament prophecy, right? It's not like Isaiah sat down and went, oh, I got this really good idea. I'm gonna write about, you know what? I'm gonna write about this one born of a virgin. I think that, that would shock people. That would get some attention. Listen, it didn't come about. How did those guys write it? By inspiration. It wasn't them, it was the Lord. And we need to understand, in the world there are so many opinions given and so many, quote, even predictions and things, they're given of men that are false that are trying to lead astray. That's what Peter's coming against. There are false teachers who are coming out and giving their own fables, their own made-up things, and are saying, hey, follow me, but they make it sound good. I've noticed that false teachers usually does, don't introduce themselves or their teaching in. I'm about to teach you a bunch of junk, so pay attention. I want you to eat healthy, right? No, what do they do? They make it sound like truth, and they make it sound so good. But we need to understand and we need to listen carefully. Is it, is, it, is it really God speaking or is it man speaking? Is it coming from the heart of God 
Or is it coming from man's imagination and man's made up? So, so that's what he's telling us. He's letting us know it doesn't start with them. He says, hey, none of it is private or, or private in origin. Read for homework. Read Jeremiah 14 and 23 and then Ezekiel 13. All of them talk about the false prophets who came up with their own stuff and how they led people astray and took them down that path. And so Peter's saying, man, don't listen to that. And Peter's facing false prophets in his own day. And then he says, for prophecy never came by the will of man. Underline that. It never came by the will of man. But holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. They didn't sit around and even what we have in Scripture today with our letters and... and, and uh, the epistles and the book of Revelation, that didn't, come, that didn't come by the will of man. Paul didn't sit down and say, man, I'm gonna write most of the New Testament because I'm awesome. I believe, and I could be wrong, but I believe Paul, I believe when Paul sat down and wrote Romans, I believe when he got done, he kind of went, wow, that's pretty powerful. I believe as he would do things. There's, there's times where things come out of my mouth, I personally want to write them down. There's some things that come out of my mouth I personally wish wouldn't. But there's sometimes you go, what, where did that come from? And do you hear what he's saying? Listen, it's not, the prophecy, prophecy is not that he's talking about never came by the will of man. This book was not done by the will of man. And whether we, you know, we, we accept the 66 books, I guess I should say, it wasn't done by the will of man. This is God put this together. And why did God put this together? Oh, because he wants to control us and he doesn't want us to, you know, enjoy life. No, it's actually the opposite. He wants to set us free and he wants us to enjoy life. And he says, here's how you really enjoy life. You follow me. I made you, I designed you. I know how you function the best. And I, I know what brings you the greatest, greatest joy. Listen, listen to me. And this is what the Lord is like. So it's not by the will of man. And then I love, listen, I love when he says, holy man, right? spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Listen, as he, as he brings up that, that word moved is the same word Luke used, I think it's, in, in, at, the, it's at the end of, of Acts, when the, the ship began to sail and the wind moved it. It's that same thing. Listen, men, they're moved along. It's not something they're doing. It's God moving in them and the Holy Spirit working through them. So here's what Peter's letting us know. There's a work of God in your life that's powerful and potent. And he talked about that in the first 11 chapters, I was gonna say 11 verses. But there's also the word of God that is powerful and potent. And we need to understand, hey, the work of God is great and what we experience is great. That's a good thing. But it's gotta coincide with the word of God. And God raised up men to give us exactly what he wanted and we need to not add to it, we need to not take away from it, we simply need to believe it, and we need to heat it, and we need to eat it some. Eat that steak, shove it in there, chew on it, 
Enjoy every bite, right? That's what he's saying. Let it get in you. And this is the heart of Peter, and I believe this is the heart of God for us, that we need to understand we need both. We need the work of God in our life, and we need the word of God in our life. And so we put those together, and then he does amazing things, and he kind of blows our mind, right? I know that where I'm at in my relationship with God and what he's doing in my life to me is absolutely mind-boggling. I can't believe where I'm at. I can't believe I live this long. That's kind of just amazing in and of itself. And then what he lets me do, what he lets me see, I cannot believe that I get to see people get saved. How great is that, huh? You get to see people coming into the kingdom. That's pretty awesome. So, let this sink in. Don't just, don't just dabble in it. Let it sink in. And remember how powerful and how true this thing is we call the word of God. Let's stand up and pray. Father, we do thank you. We thank you for your word, Lord. And I thank you, God, as we just think about Here's this guy, Peter, kind of hanging out in a tough time, a difficult time. And I pray, Lord, I pray that as we just meditate on that a bit, he wasn't writing it from an ivory tower. He was writing it probably kind of hit out a little bit. He's writing it to a bunch of believers that were more than likely going to be executed. They were definitely going to be persecuted. And he doesn't, he doesn't write them and tell them to, to take up arms and et cetera. He writes them and says, remember. Remember the basics. Remember who you are. Remember what God has done and remember God's word and God's promises, and walk through this. And I pray, God, that that would instill, be strong in our hearts, and you would instill that in us, and that we would trust you. When life gets us down, when we feel gut-punched, kicked right in the gut, I pray we would not forget who we are and not forget whose we are, and that we would know, God, that you are faithful and true. I'm gonna ask you to stay in an attitude of prayer for a couple more moments. And if you are here tonight, and I'm talking about this relationship, I'm talking about what Jesus has done, and it seems a little foreign to you, then you need to be born again. You need tonight allow the Lord to work in your heart. You need to call on his name and ask him to change you. So if you want to do that, it's kind of simple. All you need to do is be real and honest. First, you have to come to God and let him know that you know you're a sinner. Confess that to him. And here's the thing, he's not going to be shocked. Let him know that you know that and you're not telling him for his information, you're humbling yourself. And then as you let him know you're a sinner, you need to ask him to forgive your sins. Which then, that's a huge thing because the only way God can forgive your sins 
It's because of the blood of Jesus. You have to believe that Jesus Christ died for you. You have to believe that he took your sin and the punishment you deserve and he paid that price for you and you need to put your faith in that. So if you wanna do that, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer and it's just a simple prayer of faith and trusting God. If you're backslidden, man, I wanna challenge you to say this prayer with us. If you're tonight, if you're here and maybe somebody invited you or maybe you've been here for a long, 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 long time, maybe a super long time, but tonight he's speaking to your heart and you know that you're not saved, say this prayer with us. If you're watching online, you can say it in your home. You don't have to be in this building. Jesus, tonight, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you. And now I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you tonight for your forgiveness. And right now I want you to come into my heart and change me. Jesus, I want you to come into my life and guide me. I'm asking you tonight to be my Lord and my Savior.